everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 88. My name is Delton, I'll be your host today, and with me as usual is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Hello there, can I start off with a psychological concept? Go for it. So, there is this intervention for healthy thinking called thought refocusing. It's based from the acceptance and commitment therapy perspective. It's basically when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling sad, it's refocusing your thoughts on something you can control. So, for example, I can control what's going on in here. I can control Margie. I can control, you know, what I say to you. I cannot control currently the cats wreaking havoc upon my bedroom as we speak. Do you hear them knocking crap over in my office? Books have fallen to the floor, Delt. I don't hear it at all because my headphones. Well, you are a lucky man. I am doing lots of thought refocusing this morning and saying, hello, everyone. I am focused on you. We're trying to be focused on the podcast today as we both have a little bit scratchy throats and some allergy reactions. Delton's going to be cutting out a lot of the... There's a lot of throat clearing (laughs) happening in the background that you're not going to be hearing because if so, it would be very annoying. Keep it in. They'll get the full effect. It's like they're sitting there with us. Exactly. Uh, Before we get further, this is a podcast all about tabletop games, board games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort. We also have drinks on this podcast, generally alcoholic, but as of right now, uh, it is Sunday morning, the morning morning of release. Yes, and we considered having a breakfast beer, we considered having a breakfast cocktail, but we decided not to. I guess it's, it's not a bad thing that we don't crave alcohol in the mornings. I feel like that would be a horrible problem to have. It's not a bad thing to crave alcohol, and it wouldn't be a bad thing to have a beer with the podcast, but... I just, I'm not a fan of it in the mornings. And so we're starting off today with a spritzer. So it's a little mocktail, cocktail spritzer. It is pineapple juice and Perrier over ice. And if you can tell, Delton, I put the pineapple juice in first. And so as you drink the drink, it is going to get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. It is layered. I learned that from my master class. Well, good job. And so right now it is very crisp and refreshing. And then as you go on, it's going to get more dense, more pineapple more sweet. And then we'll switch to drink number two. Yes, Perrier and pineapple juice. It's very good. It's very light. Uh, we don't have orange juice in the house, and this is kind of like the next best thing, I think. But it's pretty good. You can make it alcoholic if you wanted to, but it's also good just to have that nice, refreshing crisp of something like a Perrier or some kind of you know, carbonated water, and then just a nice acidic juice. It's good. You're welcome. So, Delty, what have we been up to this week? Well, this weekend we got to see my parents, which was great because we haven't seen them since uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, because we went and saw just them on Thanksgiving and Tammy ended up getting sick and we were like, uh, we're never going to visit anyone ever again. And so we (laughs) (laughs) basically stayed home the last four months. We got to see them. Mostly everybody in Delton's family is vaccinated. And of course, we're Uh vaccinated. Woo! And motivated. Woo! And caffeinated. Woo! And this morning, allergy medicated. Definitely allergy medicated. Yes, they all went camping with their RVs uh, by a lake out about 30 minutes from my parents. So we were all outside. They had a fire going the whole time. It was just nice to visit and see everyone again and feel, you know, okay. It was just nice. We got to go out on a kayak out onto the lake for a minute. We got a few sunburns today, but mostly it's the allergens from being around a smoldering fire that was very low, but still putting smoke in the air the entire time. Yes, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, and since we last talked to you guys, we had our anniversary. 
We did have our anniversary, six years now. Which is crazy. Last year when we celebrated, we were in Montreal, Canada. I almost said Montreal, America. That's incorrect. That'd be cool. But we were in Montreal, Canada, and then this year, uh, what we did was we went up, we, we did curbside pickup of our favorite restaurants, we came back home, we cooked a good dinner, we sat outside, had a cigar, I got Delton a nice whiskey, and he got me a skateboard and some gardening stuff. You got me a nice whiskey, a good lighter for my cigars, mm-hmm. and a t-shirt from my favorite uh, local artist down in Paseo that sells his own t-shirt art, and I always like those, so. And we had a lot of fun on Sunday, just roaming around the neighborhood on our skateboard. Delton followed me on his bicycle. I gave myself tendonitis because I spent three hours learning how to skateboard. Learned how to skateboard. Also got tendonitis. Haven't been able to do it really since Monday. <laughs> there is a video of me falling off Haley's longboard. Uh, I didn't hit the ground, but it was damn close. But I will not be sharing that. His back made a backwards V. I hurt my lower back a lot. He That's was, what it was. He like basically twerked in the air accidentally. Oh, it was terrible. It hurt so bad. But, you know, I'm getting old. And in my defense, I was filming Delton as he was riding the skateboard. And then as soon as he started falling, I stopped. So it was a three-second video. So I stopped and I went to his rescue. And then I laughed once I made sure he was okay. Yeah, thank goodness she's a little nicer to me than I would be to her. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little. But also, big news, everybody. What's that? All right, are you guys sitting down? Are you sitting down? Okay, sit down. I got a kiddie pool. Haley did get a kiddie pool. She picked it up at Ace. We had to strap it to the top of my car like it was a little bluish green top hat. Oh, my God. I was so sad. So I went and I went to go pick it up at Ace. And I was just thinking, oh, man, they've sold it from out none, from out under me. Like something happened. I went to the wrong store because I'm just so used to not getting my kiddie pool. Because, guys, it was like six or seven times last year that I tried without success to get my kiddie pool. And I go and they brought out my kiddie pool and I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. It won't fit in my car. I ordered a five foot, but it's actually seven foot wide with the lip and all the extra plastic. Would not fit in my car. Just like sat on the curb at Ace trying to hold onto my kiddie pool. Just like defeated, defeated. And so the next day, Delton drove me to Ace. We strapped it to the top of my car. And lo and behold, it is sitting in my garage because it has not been warm enough yet for my kiddie pool. But it's almost there now because the weather is starting to warm up, which is nice. We've had like nice mid-60s with sunshine and a cool breeze. It's been perfect weather to go outside and do something. And to get a sinus infection. Yeah, and to have your nose full of gunk, your ears feel pressured and have some sunburn and just feel like you need to sit in the shower for two hours. And so this week, you know, it's going to be a pretty week again. I'm going to do some gardening. We're going to do some gaming with some friends and just have some fun. I think so. You do have to make sure to go to YouTube and Tuesday Night Games, Alan, has been doing his TKTV, I believe is what it's called, uh, which is where he interviews somebody and then plays some kind of game together. I believe we were on episode, the sixth episode. You can go to youtube.com slash Tuesday Night Games, night with a K, and you can find our video where we talk with Alan for about 30 minutes before we play around of Phasmophobia, the ghost hunting game, and perform poorly without flashlights because we lost them all by dying in the test game, so it was very dark. You can also see me get terrified at various points and just pull out my earphones and just cower. That is also true. It is very entertaining to watch, I think. And so, Delty Poo, what are we talking about today? Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's... 
It's a game. That was a lot of noises you're going to have to cut out, Del. It really was. I'm over here trying to just not sound like a frog. That's basically where I'm at today. It's not nose frog. Oh, for real. Uh, but yes, so the game for today is sort of a classic, but I feel like I don't hear about it as much as, I don't know, as much as a classic would be. But if you ask the right, like, I don't know. Basically, people who like Euro games, especially Uva Rosenberg, love this game generally. But outside of that, I just don't hear as much about it. And I don't know why, because it's very good. But this game is At the Gates of Loyang. It's designed by Uva Rosenberg. Uh, editing is Ralph Brun and Uva Rosenberg. Illustration and graphic design by Clemens Franz. 3D game pieces, Andreas Risch. And English translation, Melissa Rogerson. This version was the reprint in 2018 uh, from TMG, Tasty Minstrel Games. At the Gates of Loyang is an economic game. Uh, it's essentially a resource management game based 2,000 years ago in China at Loyang, which was the capital city of the Han Dynasty and one of the four great capital cities of old China, where there was a lot of farmers would come and trade vegetables and sell their food and things like that. So in this game, you essentially are playing uh, someone who is harvesting your vegetables and going to the city to sell them to regular customers, casual customers, using other market vendors to trade in. Maybe you don't want this cabbage, but you really want that leek. You're going to trade that over, and that way you can help your customers even better. That's basically what's going to be happening in this game. The way the game's going to play is you all have your own little player boards. You'll start by picking one vegetable from the little store to put in your initial home field, which will grow and act as one resource you'll get every turn, as well as a timer showing you there are nine rounds in the game. You'll start off the game by harvesting one from all your fields, putting a new field in your plot of available fields out. Then you go to the card phase of the game where you have an interesting card distribution method you will play some cards down, whether those cards are the regular customers, casual customers, market stalls, or helpers that help out on your farm and in your store. And then after that, you go to action rounds, where on your turn, you can buy and sell vegetables. You can sow new vegetables into your fields. You can trade. You can utilize all your different actions and go through all those until your turn's over. And at the end, you pay a little bit of money to move up on the score track. Cannot remember the name of that score track, and I feel like it has a good name, the Path of Prosperity. And at the end of the game, whoever's highest on the Path of Prosperity wins. And if there's a tie, it's whoever's highest plus how many coins they have. Whoever has the most coins. And if that's a tie, it's the highest uh, number of vegetables you have in your little garden. Yes, I believe it's the ones... I don't think it's in your garden, but I think it's in your like storage shed that's ah. like ready to be sold and traded. I believe it's those. Okay. But yes, and that's the basics of the game. Uh, essentially, if you've ever played Agricola, a game we've talked a lot about before, because it's just, that's a true classic, Uwe Rosenberg. This game is apparently part of the Harvest Trilogy, which is Agricola at the Gates of Loyang, and another one called Le Havre that we have never got to play, and one of these days I'll buy it so I can finish that trilogy out. Absolutely. Because I want to play it, I hear it's also good. But if you enjoy Agricola, and you like the sowing vegetables, harvesting those vegetables, selling those out, doing stuff like that, this is essentially that entire mechanic the whole time. There are no animals. It's just vegetable farming. It's a vegan homestead. 
It is a vegan homestead. It's us. And my spinach. That's true. You and your thousand gallons of spinach. Yes. So I really enjoyed the game. So I know I've talked about it before, but Uwe Rosenberg is my favorite designer. I have never played a game of his that I did not like. And I really did enjoy this one. It's a lot of you know managing your resources, a lot of planning ahead. The one thing that I didn't like is I felt like the between turns took a little too long. That's true, and that's my own fault. But part of that is that the it's one of those games where there is a little interaction between players with some of the helper cards that are like, trade one of their vegetables for one of yours, or take one vegetable from one of their fields that has, you know, X amount or more, basically, so you're not hindering them too much. It has some of that player interaction, but on your turn, like the list of actions you can do is pretty long. And with if you have a bunch of market stalls where you can trade, it, it just becomes complicated. I had one turn where I had two regular customers. One needed two wheat. The other needed wheat and cabbage, I think. And then I also had a casual customer who wanted a leek, a pumpkin, and maybe like a radish. And so I had to like take my vegetables, go here, trade this one for this to be able to help this customer. If you don't give your regular customer something every turn, they get angry. And after the first time they're angry, if it happens again, you have to start paying in uh, to the bank, like the main supply. I guess you're losing money is how that's kind of themed. But on your turn, you're trying to figure out the best course of action for all these like swaps and fulfilling these customers and which one should I focus on here, here, here. And then if I do this and take the money and do this and take the money, then do I have enough money to now buy vegetables here and here? to be able to do this and get more money. And it's like, which way is the best action? And it can take a while in this game for certain people, including myself. Haley was pretty quick on her turns. I don't know. Like typically I I think like three or four turns ahead. I just kind of like sit there. And and I think that not that it's a bad thing, but I know that whenever your turn comes, that's whenever you start to analyze the board. Well, here's the funny thing is that's not true. I analyze the board and say, okay, I'm going to do this but I don't go through all those tiny little decisions ahead of time because, and this is something that comes down. There's So I feel like in our unique situation, because obviously everybody's is going to be its, its own, I feel like ours has two big keys that make it worse. One, you're too damn smart <laughs> and you're fast about that and you can see what you want to do a lot quicker. And two, I'm trying to make sure everything being done is to the rules. I'm constantly watching all mine, making sure you're listening to what I'm trying to do to make sure it makes sense. Then I'm focused on what you're doing to make sure everything is going properly. It makes sense to make sure we understand. So if I wasn't worried about what you were doing at all, and I just let you run your turn wild, (laughs) then I could could spend more time on my own saying, okay, I'm going to get this, 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 that. I can take these two and do this, and then this over here to swap for that to put over here. And it would be easier, not saying I still wouldn't be slow because I am, but I feel like we have those variables in our situation that change things up. Yeah, and I know that whenever you play, like you're not only focused on what you're doing, but what I'm doing, and you refer to the rules a lot, and you really try to work things through out loud. Yeah. And so it's not it's not a negative thing. Like your your process and how you do it, it really benefits our game playing. It helps us to stay on track. I think just this game would be difficult to stay engaged in. If you had multiple players with AP. 100%. It, it is very much a multiplayer solitaire aside from a few interactions. So, I mean, you it, this would be a game that I don't know that I'd want to play it for. 
Yeah. There's very few modifications for two players that they change up in the rules, and I think that they work very well. But because we talked about that before, talking about changing up rules for two players, this one's very simple. It's essentially so in this game, after you harvest vegetables, put out new fields, you have the card phase. You have distribution phase, and then you play cards. So this is where there's a weird kind of rule set that we had to get through. Essentially, every player gets four cards. Then it starts with the first player. They have the choice of either playing a card from their hand onto the table into a group pile that everyone will play into that's called the courtyard. Uh, So on your turn, you either play into that or you have to take a card from the courtyard and a card from your hand, and those are the cards you play into your own tableau. So if, if Haley starts her turn and puts one in the courtyard, it goes to me. I can either take that card and one from my hand or play a card from my hand into the courtyard and it passes to Haley. So the longer that you hold on to cards in your hand, the more you'll start to see on the table from other players to give you more choices in cards and to which are different actions in basically. And in the two player version, all it is is each player on their turn can pull a card from the top of the deck as well as play one from their hand just to widen the amount of cards you see during a game. And I do think that was helpful because you get a lot more decision space that way on picking cards. But I enjoyed that card distribution thing. That was kind of a neat. It was weird at first, but once we got it, it was like, I don't want any of these cards. All right, I'll play this down and I'm going to see what Haley puts down. Maybe she'll play something I really want. Yeah, I totally didn't catch what was happening for like the first four rounds. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I put, I, I thought that I had my hands. I pick one from my hand and one from the rest and I put them in my hand. And at this point, like, it's probably nine o'clock at night. I'm battling a sinus infection. I was not feeling good. I was not cognizant of my surroundings. And then, like, three or four turns in, I notice that Delton is going through this round, like, four or five times by himself. I'm like, wait, why aren't you just, like, picking a card up and discarding the rest? He goes, well, that's not how you do it. Like you, like he said, you know, you you can put one down, uh, you can pass. And I was like, oh, my God, this whole time, I didn't realize I could pass. Yep, you just play one from your hand down and then just let it move forward. And it still, it limits the number of turns because once you're down to your last card in hand, you must keep that card so then your turn's going to be over. And one thing I liked is if somebody decides to take those cards early, like if I play, if it's my turn to start, I play a card down and it goes to Haley. Haley takes that and one from her hand. The other three cards she was holding now come down for me to choose from. So I like that it doesn't limit you and you're not, you can't keep cards from people in terms of like never playing them it's not going to work, it still goes down. And I enjoyed that. And something that I really liked too, um, you know, once I figured out how the game actually works. Uh, so if I had two cards in my hand that I liked, I would discard one and then wait for Delton to do his picking. And then I'd come back my next round and the cards that I had discarded that I really wanted, I picked that one up and kept the other one in my hand. So I, I did that a few times. Yeah, I did that as well. Just hoping you didn't want the same thing. Right. But we had two different strategies, I think. I kind of feel like we did. I was trying to get more regular customers. They did not come up a lot. So the biggest income in this game are the customers. Of course, they're pretty much the only income. Regular customers and casual. The regular, like I said, you have to serve them the same vegetables that they want four turns in a row. If you miss one, they flip their little token to red saying they're angry. And if you miss again, you start paying two coins to the bank every time you miss. And then when you can feed them, you feed them again, and they still stay angry, but you have to feed them four times. So I guess it's not four turns in a row, but four times. Right. And every time you feed them, they pay you a little more each time. Casual customers have one large amount that they pay, but they want three vegetables. You can't 
like put one vegetable toward them and then come back later and put the other two on a different turn. It has to be all three in the same turn. And they have a modified kind of money. If you have a lot of regulars in your store, then they are going to pay more, a more premium price because you have a lot of regulars, a lot of customers. If you have less customers, uh, regular customers in your store, the casuals will then also pay less. But those are your ways to get money. And I really enjoyed the regular customers. It was like, you always know I'm going to be doing at least this. I'm always going to be getting this amount of money for these four turns or whatever. I know I can then allocate that money to buy this vegetable to help this customer. And it was kind of nice having that once you got those cards out. And it kind of gives you a guide by which to cultivate your gardens too. Because it can be overwhelming at first see, oh, there's eight different vegetables. What do I do? And so having those regular customers, you know, you want to cultivate your gardens because, okay, I know that I'm going to produce pumpkins. I'm going to produce six rounds of radishes. I can meet this goal. Yeah, exactly. And one of the introductory changes to the rules that we did was that we started with one regular customer in our hand that on our turn, instead of in that card distribution phase, instead of keeping a card from the four that was dealt to us or whatever, we can use it instead and have a regular customer, which then gives you that initial goal of here's what you want to try to achieve. And I really enjoyed that. And I feel like there's, I wouldn't play without that because having that first customer getting some more money coming in was so critical that if we were just going off the cards, it would be difficult. Mm -hmm. There's one more thing that I really liked that this game did that kind of was goofy. Is on your turn, there was an action called a two, buying a two-pack. And it's literally, you pay an amount of money based on certain cards. It could be free, it could be very expensive, but you take two cards from the top of the deck and you get a look at them both revealed to the table and you can decide to keep none of them, one of them, or both of them. And what I liked about this was if you keep both of the cards, because it's kind of one of those like, why wouldn't I just keep both of these unless I just really didn't want one. I liked that you had to stack them, choosing which cards on top. That card then hits the table and is fully functional. And only once that card is fully complete, whether it's a market stall that fills, a helper power that you use, or a customer that you serve, once that card would be removed from your tableau, only then does the card underneath it become active and you're able to use it. So I enjoyed that you weren't getting two cards putting both cards out. It was getting two cards and deciding which one do I want to use first? Am I going to use it quick enough to benefit from the other? And you kind of had to make that decision. And I enjoyed that because you also can only buy a two-pack as an action once on your turn. But I really enjoyed that action. I thought that was kind of a unique take of how to do it. Because most games, you're like, I'm going to buy cards. And then you just use them all. Or you have to discard one. I liked that this made you time them out. It made you space them out. They can't be active together. And you could just take one. But I, I don't know. That was just neat. This game is all about timing things out and planning ahead. Yes. Because, I mean, you, you have to plant your garden. You have to plan what is going to come up. You have to also say, okay, well, I can't necessarily fulfill this customer this round, but I want to go ahead and put them on my tableau. And the thing is, like with your, with your customers, if you have more uh, daily customers than you do regulars, then you actually don't get as much money for your daily customers. So you have to plan that out as well. Maybe it's easier to fulfill what the daily customers want. But if you have more of those and you're just quickly going through daily customers, you're going to start losing a lot of money because people are like, oh, there's not a lot of regulars there. You don't have the reputation to keep yeah. all these regular customers. And so it's a lot of planning ahead. It's a lot of resource management. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I hope it didn't sound like a jerk when I said, doesn't take too long. 
Because <laughs> you really don't. Like, I, you do. I take poke a with, while. Uh, you do take a while, but for good reason. And so I would definitely play this again. Again, I love Uwe Rosenberg. I love playing with Delton. Yeah. I think we're just going to have to decide what do we do between those turns. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So before we dive headfirst into the topic that Haley just got done doing a great transition to, we're going to move to our second drink of the episode, which is simply some Vietnamese coffee from Lee's Sandwiches down off of Classen. Just north of 23rd. It's in our, what would you call that? It's called the Asian District. It is the Asian District? Okay. Because I know that Oklahoma City, like we have multiple different um, Asian cultures down there, but it was a large Vietnamese residency first originally wasn't that isn't that correct that's whenever the asian district was quote unquote like founded okay uh, but now was, i know it's very diverse yeah during the v- uh, vietnam war we had a lot of vietnamese families immigrate over here and okay created a beautiful section of our city we have wonderful grocery stores we have just a wonderful vibrant uh restaurant scene down there oh yeah it's it's beautiful and so yay. i really wish i really wish that fung's kitchen had vegan dim sum because the oh one time we got to have dim sum there with Jinwin and Cody it was so stinking good oh it was so good I loved it everything it just it was the best experience it was such good food and then I believe they spoke Cantonese there mm-hmm. but Jinwin was able to help you order a vegetarian dish off yes. the menu and make sure everything was good it, oh the food was just delicious I loved it she was able to tell us everything about it yes. I loved it oh I want to go back but I can't ah! <laughs> But yeah, they have it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful area. And well, we stopped in Lee's Sandwiches on our anniversary because Delton had never been to Lee's Sandwiches before. Lee's Sandwiches is apparently a big deal down in Oklahoma City. It is. They call them Euro Asian sandwiches, but it is French bread that's about a foot and a half long, and they make bon mi. It's not with a them. foot and a half long. It's probably a twelve inch. Pro- uh, maybe, but they make <laughs> bon mi's with them, and their egg rolls are vegan, and. It's all so delicious, and you get two sandwiches, three egg rolls, and some coffee, and you're spending $12. Yes, this coffee is like $5 a bag for a Vietnamese dark roast coffee. I guess I forgot we were talking about the drink. My brain was like, (laughs) where are we going with all this? (laughs) I'll keep you on track. That's my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's a pretty good coffee. It's it's bold, definitely a dark roast. Uh, It's not like a craft coffee that's $20 a pound. So it's a very simple coffee, but it's good. It's yeah. not a bad coffee at it's all. It's your standard French roast. Basically, yeah. But it's pretty good. But I also recommend Lee Sandwiches because that sandwich was really good, the vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I just took off the pickled onion because gross, but I left the pickled carrot and all the fried onion and the jalapeno, and then I made sure to give Haley the cilantro because gross. So and I got a double a good, sandwich. It was a good sandwich. It really was. I kind of want one now. That The fried onion on there and whatever else is in there is so sweet mm-hmm. mixed with that bread. Oh, so good. And their egg rolls are filled with... Uh, cabbage uh the little beans and tofu yeah yeah those egg rolls were great which i i was never a big egg roll fan but i also couldn't have them most of the time after turning vegan when i really developed more of a palate for good food you never liked egg rolls i never did i was never a huge fan of them before Uh, when i was younger oh my god think about how i used to eat before going vegan even i mean that's true i've going vegan has been the biggest like palate opener and mind opener because it's forced me to try things and learn more things that I like a lot. It's so ironic that the most restrictive diet that I can think of 
or one of the most restrictive it's, diets. It's, it's, a cl- it's close. Yeah, it's a very restrictive diet, but led to such a palate opening experience for you. It's just crazy. But yes, so Lee's Coffee, the dark roast, is pretty dang good for a $5 bag of coffee. I will not complain. Mm -mm. But yes, alluding to my transition, we're going to talk about between round or between turn etiquette. And I know we've talked about in the past analysis paralysis, otherwise known as AP, which is something I do tend to suffer from. But there is kind of an etiquette between turns, not usually for the person with analysis paralysis, for the rest of the table that's waiting. That's more of this angle. I think it's particularly difficult when you're playing with two-player because you don't have another person to chat with. If you're playing three-player, four-player, five-player, and somebody has AP, then you have someone else to talk to. You can discuss the game. You can discuss your plans for world domination, really whatever. But whenever it's just a two-player, it's really difficult. And so you kind of have to bounce between, okay, I want to stay engaged, but really I'm not involved with the game right now. I'm just kind of there. Yeah, that makes sense. Then I'm I'm over here thinking out a bajillion things and you're having to the where are the cats doing let me look at my phone let's play over here are you done with your turn yet <laughs> and, and that's the thing that's something that i've had to learn because whenever we first started playing games and whenever delton had his ap moments like i would pick my phone i would text people back i would you know get up work on the dishes and that was that was not very i feel like that was rude like looking back getting up and disengaging from the game, even though you're taking your turn, I'm coming back from my turn. Like I'm stalking and coming back and playing my turn. But I get completely disengaged from the game, which is I'm meaning I'm getting disengaged from the experience. Yeah, I could <laughs> see that. I really could. It, it's just hard though, because it's like, as the person that tends to get AP and be focused on their turn for too long in games like this, the question for me comes down to, what do I feel is appropriate from my perspective? Generally, I don't mind these things too much, but it's like I would really, I think I am aware that I take too long and I try to curb it. I just get that like, I don't know, it's some sort of anxiety that you get where it's like, what if I make the wrong choice? And I know it doesn't matter. We're playing a damn board game. Just relax, have some fun. But, and there was times yesterday where I was like, you know what, let's just do it. We're done. Move on because I didn't want to sit any longer and, you know, waste time. But it's kind of like what feels good to me. And I do, you know, when people get up from the table and go around and, you know, if you did that, it does feel more disengaged, but it almost feels, the only thing I can compare it to is when you see those people that are really good at chess playing like five or six players at a time, and they're just, you're making a move, and then they're walking by going, boop, and then moving to the next player. You're not really playing with that person, right? even though you are. And that's the closest thing I can think of. So it's not like they're not disengaged. They're not thinking about the game and they're not, you know, enjoying that experience. But there's something about it that's, I don't know, it, it makes you feel like I'm not doing good enough. I can't make these decisions fast enough. So obviously I'm not going to win. And it starts to become that kind of thought process in my head, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. And so, I, I don't know, that's just kind of a weird thing, but um, it's hard, though, because the the other question is, especially in a two-player scenario, like you said, if you have three or four players, you can talk to the other players, and you can have a little conversation while you wait, and then everybody's still at the table, still around the game, all that. Still engaged in the experience. Exactly. But the question is, with two players, how do we approach that? What's the answer here? Aside from play your turn faster please <laughs> <laughs> i could just like stare at you just make direct eye contact no that makes things worse i like mean I'm doing now yeah i wonder if it's like i wonder if asking like hey you should say out loud what you're thinking i can help you make a decision 
But then a lot of people are too competitive for that. Right. I'm or you not get too into com- quarterbacking. You could get into quarterbacking, yes, which then it feels like you have no player agency. You're not actually taking your own turn. I feel like it's a very hard place to find what the true best answer is for not necessarily speeding them up, but keeping yourself entertained by it. Yes. In that experience. Right. And so I, I feel like rule of thumb, like for, for our own experience, um, what I try to do is I try to have, if I know that a game's going to take a while, like I know it's a game that's going to trigger Delton's AP, I try yeah. to have like a, a drink or a snack. And then my rule of thumb, and let me know if this is okay. Okay. But I might return text messages, but I don't like scroll Facebook. I don't get deep inside conversations with people. But like, let's say that Allison texts me, hey, are we on for Tuesday? I might text her back, but I wouldn't get into a whole like texting conversation with my sister about my niece and our plans for Disney, that kind of thing. I think that that's fair because that's one thing when I'm at the table, like I, I, if we're playing a game, someone's taking a second and I grab my phone to do something. If I'm responding to a quick text message or something or whatnot, I feel like that's not bad, but it's when someone's, they take their turn, then they're on their phone until their next turn. That's when it becomes an issue. Yes. Because then you're no longer here with friends. You're playing on your phone until your turn, and then you're on your phone again. Now you've become that chess person who only comes back when you have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's the rule for, I mean, for our household, not yeah. only with two-player, but with multiple-player, too. I, but I also think that generally the people we play with don't do that. And right. if they do, they have a reason. Like, right. if Ryan comes over, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, or, you know, Mac and Cass or Allison or whoever. Uh, generally, I feel like the friends we have have a reason if that happens. We haven't really had to deal with that. Because we know if Cass is on her phone, she's saving the world from a global pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. She's activating superpowers, and pretty soon she's going to disappear and then show up in a super suit with a cape. And then we're going to remind her, no capes. And then, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's hard. I don't know. Having, having... To figure it out, it almost is just group dependent as well. Yeah. If you go to a convention, it changes. Right. And I think something for me, and you may have not have noticed this, I don't know, but it is always, always, always worse for me when I teach the game. Every yes. time. If I go somewhere, if we're going to a convention and someone lays the game out and teaches it, I can take my turns way faster. I can focus on it way more because I'm generally not concerned with all the rules being hit. Somebody else is taking that over. And to me, it reminds me a lot of conversations about people where they say, hey, I'm DMing this game. I would really love to play one as a player. Because as a player, you're not caring about all these other little tiny rule things. You're basically just going to go through and do what you're supposed to do. And I feel like it's the same with teaching a board game and making sure people are playing correctly. Yeah. But that also comes down to, I, I want it to go by the rule book. Like, that there's a reason there's a rule book with this written out. I want to follow it. So, I don't know. In the end, we don't have any answers. <laughs> Let, let's, let's kind of summarize this by, let's talk about the basically basics of our two-player rules for ourselves, as well as what we see in, in big groups. So, two-player. If you have a long-term, get you a snack, get you a drink, maybe return a couple of text messages, but stay engaged. Yes. And you, mean, you can also do things like you know, reading the rule book, or I do planning it, your turns. I do enjoy, or not enjoy, but one of my things is like, I'm going to make sure I'm doing this correctly and I'll check the rule book. I'll make sure that this is how this actually works. And that's kind of good too, because then you're still thinking about the game 
mm-hmm. in, in in the experience, and it, it's something that's easy to put down, and it's actually relevant to what you're doing, so you don't pull yourself out of the headspace right. in the process. Right. It's not like you're you know, looking at Instagram or something like that, completely removing yourself mentally from the game. Yes. So I think, you no, know, get you a drink, get you a snack, uh, answer a couple text messages if you need to, but read the rule book, play, play, plan your next round. If you're in a group of people, you know, try to have conversations with other people, share your drinks and snacks. Uh, again, plan your turn, but just try to stay engaged and stay present because we're not just, we're not playing a game just to play a game. We're doing it for the experience. I think that's something that I had to learn whenever we first started playing the games together. I'm not just yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm going to play my game and I'm not just doing this to you know, win a game. I'm doing this for the experience to stay engaged with you, to have a good time. And yeah. I think switching that has helped me to stay more engaged as well. Yeah, we're here to have fun together in this experience. It's like watching a movie together, cooking dinner together, doing yard work together, whatever it is. We're here to do something together. It just happens to be a game. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. I think those are pretty good sum- uh, summations of kind of how we approach things. And I-, I think my biggest takeaway or my biggest thing that I've been trying in every situation to not do is if you're at a table playing games, and this could go two-player, three-player, four-player, eight-player, whatever, I at least want to be at the point to where I don't have to be reminded it's my turn often. If I'm distracted enough that someone's like, hey, it's your turn, hey, it's your turn, hey, it's your turn, there might be an issue. That's a good rule of thumb. Now, if you've got three or four people and you're all chatting, you're like, wait, whose turn is it? And everybody's like, oh, uh, I don't know then that's kind of fine. Everybody's in the same distracted, right? you know, in, in that moment. But yes, if you're having to be constantly reminded that it's your turn, then I think that there's something that needs addressed or adjusted. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that's my final thing on that. I like that. We did it. You did it. Well, since that went, actually, uh, I feel like that conversation was better than I thought it was going to be because we're great. We that's, are That's great. what I'm going to say. We're so great. You know who else is great? Who? All of our Patreon backers. Hello, Patreon backers. Thank you to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Jennifer, and Cliff for backing us on Patreon at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. These are the people who help support us as well as some other ones that just don't aren't in the tier that they get their name on here. And that is completely okay. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters because they help us upgrade our equipment and keep this podcast going. I am currently reviewing and analyzing and looking over many, 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 many microphones right now to prepare for the future. I don't know when things are happening yet. I've talked about this before, but upgrades will be made this year, whether it be to my computer processor, that way editing is just a slight bit better, or if it's to microphones to up our quality to the, uh, honestly, the final level. I'm not going wild. I had a person I was watching talk about microphones and they're like, oh, this one's really great. I think this is my favorite mic I've had in the last year. It's been fantastic. It was $1,200. And I said, no, thank you, sir. That's like a house and a car payment and like five cups of coffee. It's a lot. And I was like, I'm going to pass on that. However, I am looking into good mics. I love our microphones. They have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, But I would like to just crank the quality one more notch, turn it to 11 and be where I want to be and our final stages of at least audio microphone upgrade. You're like talking like we're going to the final seasons of Malthouse Games. We're not. We're not. You're stuck with us forever. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so thank you to our Patreon backers. You are all awesome. If you want to be like them, 
you can go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. We have multiple levels, some with shoutouts, some without. Uh, yes, you can go check us out. But if you are a Patreon backer, you might get shouted out on the podcast, but we'll shout at you in real life when we see you. 100%. And say, that's my friend. Yep, that's about accurate, I think. With that being said, let's move to the question to close this out. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Bite Size Question. So the question for today's episode is, what game gives you the most AP, or otherwise known as analysis paralysis? This is really bad when I say this. Okay. Escape. Oh, that's... The tension in that game. So it's not necessarily the longest AP, but the worst AP. It makes it hard for me to shake the dice. If I'm stuck in a room and we're like 10 seconds away, I just like freeze. That's my biological response when my sympathetic nervous system is activated. I do freeze. I just stand there holding the dice. Milton's like, throw the dice. I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) die. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's try. So that's... I don't know that I would consider that AP because that's a real time, everyone's going at the same time thing. Ah. I could see that though, because you do. You start to freeze up when it starts getting close to the wire. But what's a game that actually has true turns that you're just sitting on your turn and like, I can't figure out what to do, which for you has really doesn't happen rarely ever. But Escape is a great answer for people that are like, I just don't, I'm, it's, this is too much, which is understandable with Escape. Curse of the Temple. Great game. Maybe it's Lisboa. Just because there's like 45 <laughs> different directions to go. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was just burned out of making decisions. I was just like, I'm just going to go here. My brain hurts. My brain hurts. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I understand. That makes sense. What about for you, Delty Poo? I'm tempted to say thinking about which game. That is the game in which <laughs> I'm taking forever. Because this is really difficult. Well, Delton has AP right now. We are lifetime. We are. I'm not going to keep that AP. gap in. FYI, we came up with this question seconds before asking it. So uh, that's a little peek behind the curtain there. Breaking kayfabe. Uh, you take a long time in Predator Porter. I do take a long time in Predator Porter. Maybe that's, that's, I mean, I think that's a pretty good answer. Really any big Euro game. Predator Porter, Agricola. What you know uh, at the gates of Loyang? Now, just any of those. Do you find that the more a game gives you AP, the more Morgan Freeman you become? Uh, I do like to narrate my stuff a lot. I speak out loud. It's just a problem. I don't know. I I find that it's enjoyable. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I it's, it's not a bad thing at all. But I was just wondering, like, the more that you have AP, is that whenever the Morgan Freeman comes out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I start to I start to narrate my turns the longer I'm sitting thinking like, well, I could do this and this, but if I do this, it's something that I like. Like it's not a bad yeah, thing. No, at I all. mean it can be a bad thing though, but it is if definitely something I do. If you give away your hand, if you give away like your thought process, and we're like, oh, that's what Delton's going to do. Oh, I I do that a lot. Yeah, but I don't know. I I think I think Predator is probably a pretty solid answer there because that one's always rough with everything going on, and I have to think about it. But I don't know. It's a it's tough. But yes, th- there you go. That's good enough. Yeah. But it's still fun. Like that's one of we one of my favorites there. I feel like that one is still easy to stay engaged in. It is. That's a fun game. It's very pretty as well with the Quantri Moria artwork. Well, no, like even with Delton's AP and Morgan Freeman, like I really enjoy playing games with him. <laughs> I hope so. Jeez. <laughs> kind of made a podcast about it. So just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
But yes, well, with that being said, I think that that's the finale of this episode, episode number 88 of the Malthouse Games podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this episode and our podcast. It helps us get more listeners, get more people engaged into our content that if you enjoy, somebody else might enjoy it as well. You make sure to follow us on social media at Malthouse Games. M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can follow me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Be sure to check out our website, malthousegames.com, where we list uh, our favorite games of all time, uh, which is just our main two. We have our current favorite spot, which I think is fun. And then we have, I don't know, a few different things, but we have a list of all the games we've covered. Uh, just do Control or Command F to use your browser's find function. Type in a game or a designer or an artist, and it will be listed on that page if we have covered it. And I think that's a pretty neat little thing. One of these days we'll get a built-in search feature, but that's difficult. We'll get there. Baby we'll, steps. We'll, we'll get there one day. But yeah, so thank you for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games Podcast. I guess until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. See you from my kiddie pool. Bye.